0: Welcome to Abroad's Way Through Broadway. I'm your host, The Broad, and today we are discussing Lucky Stiff. I'm here with Jim Van Dusen. Hi Jim, thanks for joining me.
1: Hi Alison, how are you?
0: I'm great. Um, This is really exciting to have you on here to talk about Lucky Stiff, which is a show that is my first, I'm gonna say this is my first episode of a show that's wildly unpopular. (laughs) So Lucky Stiff, you guys, uh, as far as uh, the show goes, it's not super well known. It was never actually on Broadway, only in the uh, West End production and off-Broadway. It debuted uh, off-Broadway, let's see, in 1988, oh, let's see I was born, and it played for a whopping 15 performances. (laughs) 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 That's so sad. (laughs) And there was also a movie that uh, received mostly negative reviews um, in 2015, um, which I would agree with, probably not not, not the greatest film of a musical that I very much like. And uh, we got composer and lyricist Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens on this one, um, a favorite duo of mine in particular. Um, so yeah, Lucky Stiff. So Jim, why did I, why you said, um, I was looking for, for guests on my show here and you responded that you've played the show before you've been part of it. What's your situation? With I, had this pla-
1: I have played it. I have played it twice. Um, once in, I did a two week run in Chicago Ooh. for, a, for, a, for a local community group, um, a while back, and so I played it there, and then one time I did it in Madison
0: mm-hmm. for
1: another local community uh, group.
0: Oh, okay. it,
1: It's a it's a fun show, um, but like you said, it's very it's not the most popular show. No, people don't know know about it. Yeah, they just don't know. They don't know about you know. They don't know the story. They don't know. It's it's like you know a lot of people. If you think of you when you say rent, everybody knows rent. Yes. Mm-hmm but a lot of, but a lot of people don't know Tick Tick Boom.
0: I love Tick the Tick Boom.
1: <laughs> I love that show and it's like and it's like I actually there are points where I like Tick 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 Boom more than I like Rent Same. in some instances. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about Tick Tick Boom especially what we've been dealing with in the last year with the pandemic is like that's a three-person show. Yep. And it's and a lot of people could be doing it mm-hmm. but nobody does it because they what is that? Nobody knows that it's actually the prequel to rent mm-hmm. and it's like in with lucky stiff it's it's kind of it's in, in a way it's like that
0: yeah well and it's a uh it's a musical farce and farces are there there's i feel like there's more straight play farces than musical farces but for people who like farces and also like musicals it's like gosh this is something that's kind of right up your alley, you've got, you got mistaken identities, and, and just kind of craziness, yep. um, it's, it is, I feel like it's wildly underappreciated, because I think it's a fantastic score, it's a goofy, fun story, it's very enjoyable, it's not very long, I'm a huge fan of short shows, because mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, that's just that's just my thing. It's a it's a nice short show, um, but you're right. I don't think it's chosen very often for um, community theater, high school theater, um, or even semi professional theater because uh, it isn't well known, and therefore financially, it doesn't always do super great. Um, you know, especially right. you know in times when you know money is money is 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 a thing. Obviously, you you don't want to put on a show for this amount and then barely be able to break even in ticket sales because no one knows what the show right. is. Um, right. And I do admit that even like the general like kind of plot line of the show, it, it not that it doesn't sound appealing, but it almost sounds too confusing. I feel like the best way to sell or market the show is, is that it's a musical farce. Like for me, that would, that's enough to pull me in. Like that sounds really fun. A musical farce sounds really fun. Um, but you're right. It's, you know, sometimes it's, I think there's been, I, I think in the ten year last 10 years or so, I've only seen two local theaters put this on.
1: Right. It's like, like you said, it's not, nobody knows it. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, there are so many other, um, you know, you could call it comical farces of musicals mm-hmm. out there. Yes. And at the same time, it's just like, well, you've heard of this, but why haven't you heard of Lucky Stiff? It's right. just, it, it, people, you know, it's, a, it's really amazing. You know, you know, mm-hmm. well, if you say, well, we're going to do Shrek. Yeah. Well, everybody knows Shrek.
0: Yeah. But if you right. say Lucky right.
1: Stiff or Tick, Tick, Boom or something, you know, in that area, even some people don't even know Little Women and Little Women is a great show. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. You know, and obviously it it, it was, a, it's a little bit no, more known, but not too much. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's people who don't even know about, well, what is little women? Are you kidding me? Little Women is awesome. It's a terrific show. I
0: feel like theater people know Little Women really well, but general yes. community, yep. it's kind of like the Fantastics. I feel like the Fantastics is yep. like that. If you have a, if your theater is located in a community where where theater is a big thing and you got lots of theater nerds around, your production of Fantastics will sell really well. If it's kind of, uh, I'm going to use my theater for an example. I'm out in the sticks, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, where the theater community is it's it, it's not a theater there's not really a theater community it's just kind of non-theater right. people they're not going to have any idea what the fantastics is same goes for lucky stiff um that said i do want to do lucky stiff at the box theater <laughs> despite like you know that it's like yeah it's not going to be a big seller but um but i but i love the show and it's weird that, like Susical, for instance, I feel like Susical is a pretty well-known show, and this yep. is and Seussical is written by the same guys yep. who did or the same the same team who did Lucky Stiff. So, um, even I know we're gonna we're gonna get into Flaherty and Aaron's because um, oh. I, I I'm sure you've played a, a handful of their other works as well. Susical
1: is like one of my favorite shows to mm-hmm. play. I mean, it's so. It's so great. It's so happy. It's so. Uh, it's it's funny. It's comical. Mm-hmm. It's it's so musically as a musician. It's so fun to play, and it is not easy. A lot of people think no. that it's tongue and cheap kind of da 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 da, and it is not. It mm-hmm. is a lot harder and intricate than people think.
0: It is. You know. You know Susical, and I feel like a lot of theater people know Susical, and Susical is also a very very popular choice. For theaters to do, um, because even if you're not familiar with Seussical, the show, people know people hear Seuss. And you go, oh well, yep. I know that, and I maybe my kid will enjoy that, or oh, I grew up with those yep. books that that interests me. So yep. even when I come across, I work with children in theater, and even when I um, when I mention Lucky Stiff to them, and they they I don't know that show, and I I tell them, oh, you'd like it. It's the same. It's it's the same composer and lyricist as Susacol, and they're, oh, I love Susacol, and that interests them in at least the music because right. um, as we'll get into later too the 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 stylistic choices of Flaherty and Aaron's does definitely carry over um and I'd love to get your take on that as well as a musician um because since you're literally playing the music of this team the the running themes that go from show to show despite how different their shows are like plot wise and and things like that they're definitely I feel like they definitely have a a certain kind of ring to their, their scores that does carry over from show to show. Yep. Um, now we, we kind of jumped into this a little quickly. Um, what, what, mu- what type of musician are you? <laughs> we keep saying you've played this show and played that show. So we should probably specify what you've done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, okay. So everybody, it's kind of funny because I have, uh, I have a master's degree in trombone performance mm-hmm. and I studied with the principal trombonist uh, Megumi, from the symphony for my grad work. So that's my main instrument, okay. But you but don't do that much anymore. <laughs> no, no, I don't, <laughs> unfortunately. But everybody in town, because I have really elevated my own personal growth as a musician, as a percussionist, mm-hmm. everybody in town knows me as a percussionist. Right. You know, and, and I have played between my trombone and playing percussion and conducting, you know, conducting. I've conducted. You know, a lot of shows. I probably have done. I I think my last total was like over two hundred and twenty-seven uh, shows.
0: Wow.
1: So you know, I, I love musical theater, and you know, uh, a few years ago, I did fourteen shows in nine months.
0: Wow.
1: Working with people such as yourself mm-hmm. and other musicians and directors and, you know, actors and singers, it's it's a wonderful thing. But I mean, everybody knows me as percussionist because right. that is what I do. And I had the opportunity to improve my craft even more while I spent in a week uh, as one of 10 percussionists working on Broadway two years ago.
0: Awesome. What show?
1: I got to work on Frozen.
0: Oh, that's right. I tell you,
1: Allison, it's yes. It's a different world in in, <laughs> in, in, in New York. And it yeah. was, I, I mean, I had to send a video in and they had to okay it. And mm-hmm. then they sent me music. I had to learn the music. I had 10 days to learn the show. Uh, now, now, 10 days doing community theater is a lot different than 10 days yeah. working on Broadway. Yeah. And so, and, and so for the first two days that I spent in New York working with the percussionists of Frozen, I had, they were six, two six hour day rehearsals. Wow. So, and then, but I mean, it's amazing. It's a different world and a different thing. But coming out of that, it was like, and then when you go into the pit Mm -hmm. and, and you're sitting there, Next to that drummer who makes a living doing that show, he says, "Okay." Oh, he says, "Okay, Jim, let's switch." Uh, that is a very nerve wracking thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a. But I tell you, my percussion playing and the way I approach musicals now
0: is different.
1: Is totally different, wow. and I things that I thought I could never do. There's nothing. I can't do now after that one week of intense training and uh, playing and, yes. and when you hear when you hear a guy who does this for a living on Broadway, mm-hmm. and he says he says, Jim, this is you are doing so well. He says, if you were in New York, I could use you as a sub. I mean, to hear that,
0: yeah that,
1: that speaks to a lot, especially you know like I said, trombone is my main instrument. I've been playing trombone since I was 11. So, Mm -hmm. you know, 45 plus years.
0: Yeah. This is your secondary instrument. (laughs) This is my
1: secondary instrument. And so to hear a guy say that is, and, you know, and we are, we're Facebook friends and we, we chat every once in a while. And the other percussionists that I got to meet who play shows in, on, in New York, they're now Facebook friends and guys mm-hmm. who are touring because of the connections I made. I know, and the the insight is incredible. So would just you would absolute. you do
0: would you do it again?
1: Oh, in a heartbeat! Wow. Just just and I've always and when I was, you know, I was an educator. Mm-hmm. I was a high school, middle school band director for thirty years. Right. And so when I was teaching, I always wanted to get better as a musician. Mm-hmm. So if I got better, I know my students would get better. And I still do that now that even though I'm not teaching. Yeah. But but I still practice and I still you know do that but to, my secondary instrument now is the percussion world uh-huh. and because my skills have improved by just that one week, yes. it's like night and day. It's incredible.
0: I love what you said about like after going through something like that. Like how it's shif- how it's shifted your 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 attitude and and certain work things about kind of the smaller scale kind of thing because I feel like that is so true in so many things that once you do this, all these other things are suddenly these other things that maybe used to stress you out in comparison are gonna seem like cake now.
1: Oh it is it's it, it, that's you that's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, I mean, what I'm doing now, you know, um I did my first show, uh, last month in April mm-hmm. in over a year, just mm-hmm. like just about everybody else. Um, and I, would, I did the show working mm-hmm. at, a, at a local high school. It was phenomenal. It was great. But I worked with four, three other musicians who were really prominent in the area. And I felt like I was like, Blowing them away. Yeah. Because, because what I took back, even from two years ago, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it, it's amazing what my skill can do. And some things, you know, it's like you practice and you practice and you practice and it's like, okay, it's getting better. It's getting better. But it's not clicking yet. Mm-hmm. But now everything just like clicks. Yeah. It's a, it's really amazing. It's, it, it was Truly, truly enlightening. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing.
0: I love that you, I, I love that you're able to like share that with us because what I, I, what I haven't had on this show yet. I have a, I have a couple hosts who have seen things on Broadway. I have uh, one co-host who's been on a couple episodes. I don't know if you know him, Matt Zembrowski. Um, who, yep. yeah, you know Matt, and he obviously you know goes to New York uh, in non-pandemic times. He goes to New York like three times a year, and he always goes to meet, meet this, meet the Broadway actors at the stage door. So he has so many fun stories about you know meeting these people and what they seemed like and fun little short conversations he's had with them as well as just all those experiences of just seeing a lot of Broadway shows even some like workshop shows and things like that but I haven't had uh anyone on this show yet. he's actually worked on Broadway so I love that you're able to like share that kind of um that kind of experience with us uh especially from a musician standpoint because you're also my first uh uh you know like kind of pit orchestra person that i've had on the show so that's really cool so but let me ask you as so well with lucky stiff did you um when you did your the first time you did the show cause you had to do it twice yes you worked the show twice Yep. so the first time you did it were you playing trombone or drums in that one i i
1: played trombone for the first one the first okay, time and what
0: what were your first impressions of the show like the, the show when they pitched you for it it, it
1: I, it was a show, and I love doing musical theater, so, so it, it didn't ma- it, matter. It, did, it, ma- it didn't matter, and the chance to work down in Chicago. Okay. So it so it was fun.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it was in Northern Chicago, um, Drury Lane.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, down there. Yeah. So I got to work there um, because the guy who they had hired uh, all of a sudden couldn't do it, and somebody mm-hmm. in the in the orchestra who knew me said, mm-hmm. "Hey, I got this guy up in Milwaukee area." And so I did that, and it was and it was great.
0: Do you remember how? I just out of curiosity, do you remember how the show did, uh, like ticket wise? Like, was there was there a crowd no. for it? No, it wasn't. It, no.
1: You know, it was. It was so I would sad. say, you, I think it is. It's about I would say ha- half to three quarters full in the audience, okay. and I think during lane, I think you can put uh, I don't know 600, 700 yeah. maybe, yeah. and so you know y- you have you know four hundred maybe. Mm-hmm. But when I did it in Madison, I got to play percussion, which was you know even better. Okay. Now this was oh I think six maybe seven years ago, six or seven years ago, uh-huh. you know, and it there was some there was some like, tricky stuff. You know, obviously as a percussionist, it's my secondary instrument, you know, trombone, trombone. It's like, okay, I read it down, play it. It's, it's a breeze. Percussion is like, okay, as a drummer, you drive, I call it, you drive the bus. You, you run, you, the conductor says one, two, three, four, and you got to hold it there because Mm -hmm. everybody else is following you.
0: Yes. So was it a small? It was a small orchestra both yep. times, right? Because this show, right. this yeah. show is not. It's not a big cast. Um, nope. and, I, and I love shows too that 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 are small casts. I'm a big stickler for like small, small to medium casts. It's not a big cast. The ensemble is typically. It's one of those really fun shows where the ensemble. It's not like you know 80 townspeople and then 80 customers and things like that. It's typically like three to four people, like usually two men and two women, who cover a total of like 40 different characters. Among the four of them, they cover 40 characters. It is so 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 fun and I remember what I was I was one I have to be biased of like, it was so fun because I left the character I played I was one of the four ensemble members um but we when we did the show um over at Sunset Playhouse which is a local theater just outside Milwaukee um and our orchestra I want to say was piano drums and maybe a woodwind player it was small. It was definite. I feel like it was only. Three it probably songs.
1: had a piano, bass, drums, and a, it probably it had a bass. It probably had to have some kind of bottom on it. Okay. But like the, I think, but I think you, I think you hit said it right. I think they had a woodwind player. I think so. And that was it.
0: Mm. And how many
1: years was this ago?
0: Um. So this would have been two thousand fourteen or fifteen. Two thousand fourteen or fifteen. So about six, seven years ago, something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't terribly long ago. It was super, super fun. I. I was vaguely familiar with the with the show. Um, not not a lot. I was, <laughs> I was drawn to the show. For those of you who know me, this is gonna make a most the most sense ever. I was drawn to the show because I had heard the song, uh, the song she sings about about the dogs that that she sings the the main character sings this song about that you don't need a you don't need a man you don't need love you just need a dog. Yep. Girl, like all that's needed, all that's needed is a dog, and I heard th- and I heard this song, and was like, oh, well. <laughs> Okay, because they say this, so the show is, like, it's about dogs, but it also kind of isn't. That isn't the main plot. There's usually, like, dogs or paw prints on the poster for the show. Right. Um, because it's about this character who plays this person who volunteers at this animal shelter, at this dog shelter, and she's trying to get donations and money to give to this dog shelter. But that's not actually, like, that doesn't actually have a whole lot to do with the actual Plot of the show, so I feel like it's kind of like this roundabout way to get people interest, like people like dog people like me to be like, oh, wait, is there dogs in the show? There's actually not. There's very little to do with dogs in the show to draw you in.
1: That's (laughs) right. You got you got dogs in the show. I will be there. What time? What time is the show?
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> times, times like this, that's what it's called. At Times like this, a girl could use a dog. Yeah. There I heard go. that that's number and I thought this was such an adorably sweet song. So naturally I wanted I auditioned hoping to get the character who sings. that song song. because i feel like well this song is my anthem this song is like the story of my life basically um and but i ended up getting cast in the ensemble which i didn't know at the time was a tiny ensemble covering 80 hundred thousand different roles and once that was explained to me i was like oh well that sounds like a total blast actually and because it's like scene stealing roles um and you never know who these four actors are going to come out as next, there's different, there there are different accents, there are different personalities and it's it's so, so fun. And there was a dog in our production. My dog Maestro. He did make an appearance during the curtain call.
1: <laughs> there you go. It's a win-win situation for it's, you. <laughs> it's totally a win-win.
0: Uh, Donna Cummer, as you know, is a big dog person, and she, I think, she was yep. the advocate for. Well, you have to put the dog in the curtain call. He's he's downstairs in the dressing room anyway, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it sounds like when I at sunset when we did uh, the whole month of December. Now this was like ten years ago with Donna Cummer. Mm-hmm it was 10 years ago we did a whole month of Annie.
0: Oh my gosh. Well
1: they had so so we so we they brought they brought a real live yeah. you know labrador retriever yeah. into for the show for every show. <laughs> so
0: that was uh, lucky stiff was my dog's first appearance but he's also played Sandy and Annie. He's a, he's only a yorkie so he's kind of like this little miniature Sandy but he's so good on stage. He's so well behaved and consistent and he doesn't need <sighs> to, he doesn't need a leash. Or anything like that. He can do everything off leash and doesn't leave the stage and likes being by the actors. So it's like it works out beautifully. I should do an episode about <laughs> animals on stage.
1: There you go. <laughs> there should there, there could go.
0: totally be a whole episode on this show about putting dogs on stage with people. Stage dogs. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, perfect. So I don't I don't know. Let me ask you this, Jim. I don't know if uh, you follow this kind of stuff, but I. I was looking into the like original cast, like the workshop cast and the off-Broadway cast and the cast recording cast of Lucky Stiff. And I didn't find a lot of like names of people that I know. And I'm a big Broadway name person. I know a lot of names and I did not recognize anyone except for... Um, Janet Metz, who was in one of the cast recordings of Lucky Stiff. I, it was either the London recording or the Off-Broadway recording. Janet Metz, she's the, she was in, she was one of the cast recordings narrators in Joseph, the one with Donny Osmond. Okay. Um, whichever, which I want to say that's maybe the Canadian one, but it's the, it's the Donny Osmond, Janet Metz version of Joseph. That's how I know her. And she played Annabelle. Other than her... As I was looking into like different casts of this, you know, the the this show was not full of any. It, when I say it's not full of any big Broadway names, it didn't like have any, and I find that interesting because Seussical, um was a it was a recent episode I did on the show. We talked about Susicole, and we talked about how um, which was another um, Aaron's and Flaherty show. As we as we as we talked about when Susicle first went up it was not well received and they ended up putting um during the second like kind of attempt at the show they ended up taking out a bunch of these kind of quote-unquote nobodies on stage and replaced them with Rosie O'Donnell and Rosie O'Donnell as the cat in Susicle and Aaron Carter as the as the um Jojo as the boy to see if that would help the show along with you know publicity and popularity and it and it and it did help. It did help. And I'm just wondering like I look at seeing that you know the show was not super well received. It wasn't very popular. A lot of people didn't come see it. It only lasted for 15 performances. And I was just thinking like why didn't they do what they did with Susicle, you know, and throw some celebrities in there so I can get the get the people in there. But I don't know if this was Lucky stiff, if it was before Susical, or or it would have been before Susical, because this was Aaron's and Flaherty's very first collaboration.
1: You know, I heard that uh, the same thing about Susical. I had heard that they it didn't, didn't have any well. na- it, it they had they didn't have anybody in who had a name, Broadway name right. in the in the cast, and so they did, like you said go back and insert people who, who had a name, yes. in, whether it be TV or where, wherever, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to boost the notoriety of the show. And it's like with L- Lucky Stiff, it's like, well, I don't know if it was because they decided, well, it's not good doing well. We only have 15 performances. Why, Why do it? Yeah. Why take the time to do it and the money to do it? And it's like, well... You know, it, you, you just you throw your hands up in the air and just well, who knows. And
0: I wonder if that and I'm totally taking a you know, a stab in the dark here, but with this being um, Lynn Aaron's and Stephen Flaherty's first collaboration and Susicle being a bit later, maybe this was something that, you know, they were they were maybe thinking, This is our first this is our first attempt, it didn't go well, we'll treat it as a learning experience and try to figure out some different things for the next show, for the next collaboration, something like that. That it's almost like, like you said, almost like they're sort of threw their hands up and like, oh, well, it didn't work. Whereas then when Seussical came along, maybe they had, maybe they had more faith in Seussical and were a little bit more insistent on, no, this show is good. People will like it. We just got to fucks with something here. It might, maybe that, I don't know.
1: I well and and like you said in the beginning of our 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 podcast is like with Seussical, it they know everybody knows Dr. Seuss. Yes. So already it has a much na- bigger name than Lucky Stiff. Right. You know, and I think I think like you, I think you're 100 percent accurate when they say that your name naming of Seuss mm-hmm. Seussical the musical. Well, everybody knows Dr. Seuss. Okay, so we know we know we're gonna we've already got interest. Where they've got lucky stuff, it's like, well, we're not doing too well. We're, you know we we'll, well, we're only going to do fifteen shows, and then, you know, why we're going to put our we're going to focus somewhere else. We're going to yes. put our attention towards, you know, Seussical, and if it happens again, then we've got to take another step, and that's why maybe they did decide to bring in a little bit more the names. Yep, mm-hmm. the names into it to boost that, and then, you know, away, yeah. away it went.
0: Yeah, you brought up a good point too. There's so much in the name of the musical. Um like you know, Lucky Stiff, it's like you don't you don't have any information on what the show is or what it's about, you know, from that. It was the show was based on a book, a novel. Um and let's see, the novel was called The Man Who Broke the Bank at Monte Carlo. I mean, that gives you I guess a little more information, but not not a whole lot. And musical, like I'm going to use um, our current production um, at the Box Theater right now, we're in the middle of a production called Tinkerbell. It is not a musical, so that automatically hurts its chances right there, because musicals typically, at least in community theater, musicals sell better than plays. And But the fact that the show is called Tinkerbell... It's a name. It's something that when people see it on a promotion or some sort of marketing or something on social media, they see that they see the little logo with the fairy, and they go, Oh, well, my kid loves Tinkerbell. So I'll go they don't they don't need any more information. Um, and I feel like the lucky stiff, you know, it's like, unfortunately, it's like the title. It's there's nothing drawing about the title. Um, so that, you know, also, you know, probably hurt them too. It's just, it's just such a shame. Like, and I can't stress that enough because I, because the show is so funny and, and the music is so, so great. Um well listen jim it is a, i think it's about time for us to take a, a quick a quick break here um when we get back i do i definitely want to talk about um a little more production aspects um i i'm interested in a couple things especially from the music side of point where the, that's your expertise um and we can also maybe talk about some of our, our favorite parts about this show too um so uh we're gonna take a, a short break so sit tight and we'll be right back in a couple minutes after this word from our friends at Six 65media Welcome Welcome to our new new podcast. podcast. Welcome Welcome to to our new new podcast. podcast. This isn't working. Agreed. I think we're going to have to do it turn by turn. Well, now that you mention it, we are a brand new RPG video game podcast. Our very existence hinges on turn-based gaming. So join us on the Turn by Turn podcast, where we'll be talking about Pokemon, Fire Emblem, Golden Sun, Shining Force, Mother, and so many more. It's your turn to come and join us. <laughs> One heist. Six plots for betrayal. When Raya Cortella cons five other thieves into helping her steal a magical artifact from the most powerful man in the world, she knows she's playing with fire. What she doesn't know is that the rest of her crew is just as underhanded as she is, and they all have plans of their own. M.J. Kuhn's Among Thieves, a fantasy heist novel full of twists, turns, and betrayal. Available beginning September 7th, wherever books are sold. Visit mjkuhn.com for more details. Back, I hope you enjoyed intermission. How was your intermission, Jim? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're here on a Broadway through Broadway, talking about Lucky Stiff, this uh, completely underrated show that no one's ever heard of that I love and Jim loves, and <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, So uh, so as we were saying a, a little bit before, the the show did not do great. Um, I was going to say on Broadway, not on Broadway. Uh, not on Broadway, uh, off-Broadway and on the London West End, um, I, I feel like it's uh, people who go to see it, they like it, but the problem is not enough people go see it in the first place. Right. So I came up with a, um, a dream cast. Um, so for when I'm directing the show on Broadway, and it finally gets to Broadway... Um, I'm throwing in a couple people to to bring in the ticket sales but also and it'll be magnificent
1: it'll be uh, it'll be stellar it'll go on for four or five years or 15 (laughs) years instead of 15 dates and you'll be my drummer (laughs) absolutely just call me up when the first rehearsal is
0: (laughs) so uh So here's my situation so the the main character in this show is um is this british guy named harry witherspoon and i'm casting daniel radcliffe harry potter um as harry because i saw daniel radcliffe perform the the main character and how to succeed in business without really trying he he was marvelous like yes i went to see him because it's like it's harry potter and he'll be singing and tap dancing so that's awesome um, but honestly, I really thought he was absolutely fabulous. I don't think this was one of those things where it's like he's just a name, throw him in there, we don't care how he does, we don't care if he does well. It's Harry Potter; he'll sell tickets. He legit, he legit was fantastic, and so double positive. You know, it's not right. just a name. Like, yeah, he is a name; he'll help sell tickets. And on top of that, he's actually very, very, very good. Um, so he's my he's my Harry, and then I'm throwing in now. She might have not helped sell tickets back when the show first went up because uh, I feel like she's not the biggest name in the world, nor was she like the biggest name when the show first came out back in the 80s. I don't even know if she even was on Broadway back then, but Amy Spanger, do you know who that is? Name
1: sounds familiar. Um, so
0: Tick Tick Boom, right? Yep, you know, that's, Tick Tick yep, Boom? Yep. She's the, she's the woman in Tick Tick Boom who sings Come that's to Your That's why sentences. I under-
1: Yep. That's why... Yep. Right, yep.
0: Yes. Good choice. Yeah. I have her actually as Rita. Rita is the, she's not the the ingenue female romantic lead. She's the supporting um, kind of like New York, broad, tough, kind of ditzy, character really really Mm -hmm. fun character rita um and uh i feel like amy spanger vocally and comedically is really appropriate and if this were going on right now she's a big enough name to to get to get butts in the seats i think Um, and Perfect. then of course, obviously I have my, my orchestra set cause you're, I've you and my drummer and you'd bring some other musicians with you. I got,
1: I got that orchestra uh, fixed all ready for it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So we're um, ready
1: for opening night,
0: right? <laughs> let me just, let me just call up uh, Harry Potter here and we'll okay. see. <laughs> So, um, so like I said, the, uh, this was the first, first collaboration of Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with them, um, they also did Ragtime, Susicle Anastasia, Once on this Island, um, and then the lesser-known shows, My Favorite Year and Rocky the Musical. Um, they've done a handful of other things, too, but I feel like those are their... Did I miss any of their, like, bigger-name bigger, bigger name shows? Seussical, Ragtime? No, Red I think Time. you got them. Yeah, once especially on the with, island, especially
1: with ragtime.
0: Yep, ragtime. Yeah, I feel like that's probably their biggest Ooh. one. And then Anastasia has become extremely, extremely popular too. Um, so uh, let me ask you something. Of those, of those ones that I mentioned, ragtime, musical, once on this island, um, have you played any of those shows? I'm sure you have.
1: <laughs> yep, I've played. Uh, actually, I played all of them. Okay. Um, I played. Um, I got to conduct ragtime uh, four times. Okay. Um, and that was that's a that's a heavy score, and mm-hmm. it's a big orchestra, mm-hmm. huge orchestra. It's the only orchestra I know that has an actual tuba book. Believe it or not.
0: <laughs> a book just
1: for the tuba player? Yes, just for the tuba player.
0: Wow.
1: It's it's amazing. And they have another book with just banjo. Okay. And and it's just really the or the the rest is like it's a full orchestration. Strings, woodwinds, brass, percussion, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then you have a tuba. And then you have just a not a guitar player. There's no guitar book. The, at least on the one I That's use, random. but they but they have a banjo book. They've wow. got a banjo book and a tuba book. and we had a great we had a great person uh when we did it up here in Milwaukee area we I, I had a friend of mine who plays tuba down in northern Chicago and he came up and made the commute every day from northern Chicago to play
0: wow.
1: ragtime and it, it he was. Fantastic, absolutely wow. fantastic. And he brought his—he had a regular concert tuba, and he brought a sousaphone because there's a couple of songs in there that really reco- sound better with a suit, like a marching sousaphone. So we did ragtime, mm-hmm. Susical, Oh, it's so much fun to play. Mm-hmm. So and and what's what a lot of people I I get to do on my end is as a drummer now, um, is when they ask me, "Will you play drums?" Sure, of course I'll play drums. And then she's well, then. We have to have somebody conduct the pit. Well, I can do that too from the drum set. Wait, you can conduct
0: I, from the drum set?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's actually a lot easier than sitting, sitting there with a baton in my hand. Really? So, and I, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. Is like if I go one, if I go one, two, three, four, and guess what they have to do? They have to follow me. They have to follow uh, my plane. Yeah. So I really don't have, I don't have to conduct any really thing unless I'm not playing. There's no drums. Then I just use my drumstick as a baton. Yeah. To conduct the pit, like to conduct the pit and just, and everybody follow And it works. Wow. S- uh, just like any, like if you had a regular conductor in the pit. Yeah. But your, the, your drummer is actually conducting the pit. I didn't think of
0: it that way, but that does make a lot of sense of why that would actually work. Right,
1: and a lot of and a, <laughs> right, and a lot of shows, I in fact most of the shows that I have played on drums, I conduct yeah. from the drum set.
0: Which <laughs> one do you think is the hardest? Like between uh, from drummer, drummer's standpoint, okay. the score of Ragtime Souicile, Once on the Silent, or or Lucky Steph? Is, do you feel like one oh, is, is it
1: ragtime? The, uh, the score itself is uh, complex as far as ragtime goes, but as far okay. to play it, it's not as hard. Suzical is by far harder. Okay. Be, and as a percussionist, there's a drum book, but then there is a auxiliary percussion book that is just—it's as hard as if you were playing West Side Story. Okay. It's really. It's you've got it. You've got everything but the kitchen sink because you got all the little toys and honkers and shakers Mm -hmm. and. And then you have xylophone, which adds so much, and bells, and timpani, and all sorts of
0: stuff. Well, and also, Seussical, um, I'm looking at, like, Once on the Silent, Anastasia, Ragtime, and Lucky Stiff. There's there's breaks where the actors are just talking for a while. Yep. Seussical doesn't have that. No. It's,
1: it's, it's, doesn't.
0: It's constant.
1: It's pretty much constant. And, so, and Ragtime is a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. It's a constant. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue, obviously, in Ragtime. But mm-hmm. it, it, Susical is a, is about the closest thing to I would say, my, which is my favorite show is Les Mis mm-hmm. is my favorite show, and you know and you know as well as I do that is there is no dialogue. Yeah, it it's is all, all music. Crap. Yeah, right. And Susical is about the closest thing you can find right to Les Mis as far as music. So the musicians are constantly concentrating, mm-hmm. constantly playing, and like I said, it is not easy a lot of people think it's it's not that hard but it is no well, it, there's a the intricacy the
0: handful of shows and i always think about that when i'm when i'm directing shows or when i'm in shows if i'm in a show where it is one of those ones where where it is entirely sung and there's no dialogue I think i was like gosh those musicians like ah like when we did um I was in a production of Joseph, but we used the, we used accompaniment tracks. We didn't have a live orchestra. Um, And I was thinking about that. I was like, yeah, because they, that's, Joseph's another one where it's, there's no dialogue. There's no speaking. That's just song into song into song into song yep. um but joseph is short that's the thing like yes joseph is short like it's it, that show is only like an hour and 10 minutes long les mis is like a century long and is and there's like hardly any dialogue so it's just like go 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 yeah that first act, exhausting
1: that, that first act of i mean when i was for, when i first conducted les mis and i've conducted probably les mis, oof, I think uh, I think eight times I've conducted le mis eight times and I played in the pit only once Mm when I've conducted Les mis, but I remember the first time when I was learning the score, I knew that I was that first act was going to be an hour and a half, you know, and it's constantly moving my shoulders. I can't tell you how many weights and exercises for my shoulders and (sighs) arms I did. Prior to that, and boy, did that save me! Because every time I hear somebody saying, "Oh yeah, I conducted Le I conducted Le Boy, are my, arms my arms and my shoulders—exactly, <laughs> sho- sore yes. shoulders and sore arms. And it's like when I was ready, when we did tech and we did the shows, it was like it was a breeze. I mean, yeah. but the but it's constant playing, and with Sousa, it's like that ragtime. You know, you have dialogue, you have little breaks here, you can kind of just, it's a little bit, not too much, but it's not too bad. It's a long show. It's what, 220, something like that, I think, give
0: or take? Yeah, it's not as long as Lay Mis, but it's definitely, I think, right. longer, than, longer than Lucky Stiff for sure. Lucky Stiff is oh, yeah, a yeah, short. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and so, I mean, Ragtime is just like, you have that, so you have a little time to break, but... For the most part, it keeps it keeps going. You yeah. know, There's music because you have underscore that's got to be played and stuff under the dialogue. But right.
0: You but, know. But at least there's occasional moments where it's like, okay, we Correct. have like a page and a half of just yep. sitting here. Like, yeah, that's wow. That's so. I'm so glad you were able to do this because it because of the like I said, I, I haven't had on any pit orchestra members on the show yet. So this is that's really interesting. So did you? I'm going to ask you. Did you see? um, the film version of Lucky Stuff. Have you ever seen it? No. Good. Nope. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I watched it. Um, I watched it after I was in it. Um, I don't even know if the movie was even, like, out. I feel like the movie came out, actually, the year that I was, and let me see when this movie was. Uh, 2000, oh, 2015. Yeah, and that i Like I said, I think that was the year. I said 2014 or 15 when I was in it. So, yeah. Um, So, either way, I saw this after I was in it. And I don't know. I feel like, okay, so it was so cartoony. And, yes, it's a musical farce. So, there is an element of cartooniness to it. But it wasn't. I don't feel that it was executed well as in in the film and i don't know if it's a matter of it wasn't executed well just because it wasn't or if it wasn't executed well because this just should not be a film it shouldn't it shouldn't be if it shouldn't be a film because some things just simply even if you have like the best director and the, the the best you know effects and the best cast and the best everything some stuff just doesn't work on film just like some stuff doesn't work on stage like right you know it's it goes both ways some things are just meant for a certain platform and and that's the best way to have them received. Do you
1: remember the movie? You, do you, are you familiar with the musical The Wiz? Yeah. Okay. So do you remember seeing the movie? I,
0: okay, I don't remember. I did see it, but I was I was really young and I don't remember it.
1: <laughs> okay. So so going back to what we discussed earlier about getting name people yes. into. So in the movie, as Dorothy, you had Diana Ross. Right. And as the Scarecrow, you had Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm and you had Nipsey Russell as the Tin Man. Okay, so those three pretty big names. It was the worst
0: <laughs> worst
1: movie ever made of a musical. I I kid you not. Wow. And I love The Wiz. I think yeah. The Wiz is so fun to play as a musician. It's fun mm-hmm. to play. I don't like The Wizard of Oz the musical, but I love The Wiz. The Wiz is so much fun.
0: And you think it Does you think it it's just, it was bad because it just should not be a film or was it, was it something that could have been better with this change or that kind of change? Uh,
1: yes, <laughs>
0: to all of that,
1: <laughs> to, to all of that. It was, it was so bad. I mean, it yes, it was made in, I think it was 1978. Yeah. Think, yeah. Something like that. Some, some you know, and it was like, okay, you, uh, hopefully maybe if they would make an updated version. It mm-hmm. might have been better. Now, are you, I think they did it on that... Was it on the NBC? They did it a few years ago. You know, like, every Thanksgiving or Christmas, they did oh, yeah. the musical. And I think they did The Wiz. Yeah. I think it was with Jennifer Hudson. Okay,
0: yeah. But that, that one was one of those, like... I think it was one of those live things.
1: So-called as live, to, yes. Yeah, yes. as opposed
0: to, like... As opposed to, like, a making a movie. Correct. Movie. Yeah.
1: Correct, yes. And it's like... um it was it was so bad so so bad oh boy. but i am but on the flip side of that i um one of my percussion friends that i got to meet in new york when i was doing my broadway run he mm-hmm. is he was the original guy who made up all of the percussion parts for the upcoming movie of west side story
0: really yes that is so cool he added
1: he got to play during rehearsals and here's, here he is playing his uh, timbales and bongos and all that stuff with, yeah. like, two other percussionists that they hired to do the recording. And here he is playing his stuff for rehearsals and filming. <laughs> and, and 10 feet away is Steven Spielberg.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is so cool. And his
1: name is Javier Diaz. What uh-huh. an incredible percussionist. He is wow. incredible. And he also was one of the guys who was on the original... Um uh, Miami Sound Machine with Gloria Steffer. Oh
0: wow. Okay.
1: So yeah. Wow. He's he's absolutely great and he is in the movie as one of the musicians, you know, on camera and off camera in the recordings. I'm
0: so excited to see that. I'm probably gonna have to do an episode after seeing that movie. <laughs> um so uh lucky stiff though <laughs> that always happened that always Ugh. happened where we like somehow is was like oh and we accidentally talked about Susicle for a half hour in That's the right. lucky <laughs> stiff episode it's important stuff <laughs> so lucky so lucky stiff though um okay well the funny thing about the movie though of lucky stiff I I was I, I was drawn to it obviously because I was like in the show and I was like oh well I like this show so obviously I want to see how the movie is but also Jason Alexander is in it and I really like Jason Alexander
1: yep he Great played actor.
0: he played the role as a uh, role of Vinny, which is Rita's brother, and he I I liked him in it, okay. and honestly, like honestly, I liked each of the individual actors in the film version. Like it wasn't anything like I didn't like what they did. It was just the whole production aspect of the film that just that just didn't work I, gotcha. I it's almost like it had an element of like trying too hard or something that maybe mm-hmm. might not be the best description but if you see if you ever see it you'll know what i mean you know watch it with you know like prepared with what i warned you about. Yes. <laughs> and you might make, it might be one of those things that's so that's so bad it's actually enjoyable it might be one of those things um do you remember um and it was, it's been a while since you worked this show but and yeah obviously you know you're in you're on like this whole other like element of the show but do you remember the set for your shows when you were when you were part of lucky stiff do you remember what the set situation was
1: no i didn't i don't remember the set so much okay. um as um i was we were for one show when i did it in, in northern chicago we were underneath the stage so I couldn't. Oh, okay. Uh, so I never. You barely I, saw get, it. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, I did not see it. Okay. So I couldn't tell you what it was like.
0: Interesting. And
1: the one when I did here in town or in Madison, mm-hmm. uh, we were behind stage. Mm-hmm. So I saw like one, like one setup, you know, I would pop my head every once in a while, you know, when we were on break or stuff like that. and I'm, And it was like, oh, okay. That looks like. A house, okay. <laughs> so the inside of a house, okay. Fine, great. And that was, and that's it. So I didn't even know really exactly what the set really or the set changes look like because mm-hmm. we were behind, we were behind the set. So
0: I think when when I was at Sunset, I remember we use I'm I, we use these things called um, I call them pterodactyls. They're actually I believe the what they're actually called is periodactoids. They're basically these big tall pillars that are on wheels and they can turn oh. around to like four different sides and move from side to side and things like that. And I remember that one of the most stressful things about the show was those pterodactyls. <laughs> and I, and I just, and I know, I mean, I do admit, you know, I'm, I'm a director, actor, singer, choreographer, vocal director, set stuff. Nope. That is not that is so far from my forte. I have so much appreciation for it, but the few times that I have had to, you know, design a set, I I do admit it's like it should not fall on me because I there's not that it'll be like bad, but it'll be like the only thing I know how to do is simple. And if we need something that's not simple, I'm not going to do a good. I know there's going to be like just anyone else will come up with something so wildly more creative than me. And I feel like lucky stiff. I don't know there's it's it is one of those shows where there are so many different locations you have you have Harry's shoe shop and then you have Monte Carlo and then you have a hotel room and then you have like you know there's this one um it's my favorite it's my favorite number it's called him them it him them it her and it's 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 the farciest, is that a word farciest? <laughs> it's
1: in, in this in this conversation, yes. Yes, it's the farciest, <laughs> it's
0: probably most farcical, but I'm going to say farciest. It's the farciest scene in this musical farce, I think, cuz there is so much going on and like and, and you basically almost need like multiple locations or just like a lot of spot, like a lot of lighting effects or something to suggest like, this is what's happening here. Now this is here and this is happening here. Well, this is happening here. And it's so quick, but it's so funny. And I kind of feel like the set for Lucky Stiff, I feel like it either needs to be like the highest budget, quickest changing, most flexible type of thing ever, or just black box it where everything is left up to the imagination. Because it is a show where there are like 800,000 different locations that you need to suggest
1: right you know it's like i do remember it because it is a smaller cast right it's a small mm-hmm. cast is what four mm-hmm. four or six well
0: there's four ensemble members and then there is uh harry annabelle vinnie rita um luigi and the stiff so that's six If you and the stiff is a the the muted character it's not you usually just need like a physical a physically comedic actor who right. doesn't need to sing, dance, or or necessarily act as long as they can act like a dead body. So there's six and then there's the four ensemble. So
1: okay. 10. So, so, so ten. Okay. Mm-hmm. So ten. But you have six main characters. Yes. Right? Okay. So I and, and it's like you like you said, it's it's you with the role that you played. Mm-hmm. You you were I was
0: in the ensemble. Yeah,
1: but you were playing multiple people. I
0: think it was like sixteen different characters that I portrayed. <laughs> right.
1: So it's like you know, there's like you have like to have like you've got your off stage, and it's like they have this one big hall just for Allison uh <laughs> costume changes. <laughs> it
0: was the wing. You know? It was the backstage wing, and there was one part that was, and this actually goes down in kind of like my his my history theater career. I I brag about this one. It was, and then and I bring this up anytime any of my actors complain about a quick change, like that this isn't enough time. This quick change is too demanding. Um, in it was a wig, wig change, shoe change, pants change, and top change, and then an extra like kind of item on top of the top change. So basically everything that needed to be changed, oh, and I needed to add gloves. Everything that needed to be changed had to be changed and it was like seven pieces of this change and I did it in 13 seconds. Yeah, I had help, I had help. I have, (laughs) that's important to mention, I didn't do it alone. I had two dresses, but we had it, you had to get it down to, like, being a well-oiled machine um, and that, right. like, I feel like, and we started, I believe, if I recall correctly, we started el- um, working in those elements even a couple days before tech just because that was going to be a whole beast in itself of this, Quick, because it wasn't right. just me. It was another, ense- it was right. one other ensemble member, too, and we each needed a team of dressers in order to make this change happen, but a full head-to-toe switch in 13 seconds and anytime I have an actor complain that they have like you know if they have to do like a wig change and they have 30 seconds and that's not enough it's like it's enough. <laughs>
1: it's, it's totally enough. You know why? Because I did this. I did that. That's, what, That's right.
0: basically what I say. is like if I was, it's kind of like your, your, your frozen experience in Broadway. It's like, if I was able to do this, you're able to do that.
1: <laughs> a- absolutely. Yeah. Comparable to that mm-hmm. is like with me playing percussion, like a year ago, a little over a year ago, I played Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. So I was playing the entire percussion book. So I played set, and timpani, and bells, and chimes, mm-hmm. and gong, and snares, and this, the and that, whole percussion. and the kitchen. The whole percussion section was me, <laughs> you know? And and I remember where I had to, you know, play, I had to situate my percussion instruments in the right order, mm-hmm. so I could make, like, I had two, I had two beats to put down a mallet and drop, and get two pair, and a, and a pair of drumsticks in my hand, so yeah. I had two beats so you have to. So I can totally sympathize with your element of mm-hmm. costume changes oil, oil, versus oil my oil um, machine. <laughs> exactly. You you just get in a groove, you know. And then when I've, and I think of the times where I would work with high school kids when I was teaching, mm-hmm. and I would tell the the pit the percussionist, okay, you need to set up your pit in a way that you can, because I had done shows prior to you know this, mm-hmm. but. I told him, I said, you have to set up your pit so where you are not moving around like a f- like you're losing your mind going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. That's not going to work. Right. Because if I'm conducting and I see you going back and forth and back and forth, that means you don't have your pit set up properly to, to where you need to get to. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a matter of, you know, laying, you know, mallets over here and percussion over here and this thing here and that little thing here. Well, you're going to need that instead of going from one end to the other end. It's like with you, with your costumes, you need to like, okay, this scene, after this scene, I've got this, these four things to do. Then the mm-hmm. next scene I have to make a switch, I have these three things. And the next thing I, oh, I got five. Well, I need to get those five together, not where they're like, they're, they're interspersed with some other stuff that I don't need at that particular point.
0: And you know, that's so funny. While all that, everything you just said, while all that is going on, and while my costume change is going on, the audience is just watching people sing and dance. Like yep. they have, no, like it's so exactly. It's so funny. They have no idea. Like I mean, unless they're a theater person themselves. Like for me, when I watch a show, and I see an actor come out in one costume, and then I see them come out in a different costume, I, and it and it was and it was a quick change. I see that because because I am an actor and director, and it's like I my brain thinks about those kinds of things and notices those things. My right. mom, my mom would never notice that like I would I mean we had one for Annie in our production of Annie where we gave her this kind of it wasn't just a quick change I was going for like the magical quick change um right. where she just stepped behind a wall and came out and then stepped out of the wall and she was in a different outfit and I was shocked at how little of a response it got and I was just kind of like do do you guys not remember what she was wearing when she stepped when she was on the other side of the wall mm-hmm. like and I, was, and I was sort of like, people don't think, they don't think about that. Non-theater people don't think about that kind of They just watch the show and enjoy the singing and dancing. And right. people like you and me think about like, oh my gosh, this nutso stuff that's going on behind the scenes that has so much to do with the show and propels the show forward, but the audience doesn't know that because it's not happening on stage right in front of them.
1: Correct. I mean, when I was, when, you're, when I'm playing percussion and I have had played multiple percussion instruments, I actually write down on the music where mm-hmm. I have to go and what, yeah. like for you, when I did Beauty and the Beast, I had four sets of the, of my percussion part. Yeah. I, I had three sets that were Xerox in a binder and the other one by my drum set that I have now, I got into using the iPad and iPad, oh my gosh. you know? Oh my gosh. And so now with my iPad, which is great, is I have like a little pedal uh-huh. that allows me to, while I'm playing, I can just move my foot over and it switches the music. I don't have to move my... It switches okay, the page okay. of music for me. So a lot of musicians now are using the iPads with a pedal yep. it's called an iPad pedal, and it just turns the music page for you, and you don't have to touch it. You just click mo- And then just if, click you double,
0: if you double step on the pedal does it flip backwards like in case you like is there a way to go yeah
1: you can program it but i have a dual what they call a dual so i have like two sides of the pedal so if i push on the right side it goes forward if i push on the back it goes back a page
0: we had one musician use that josh partman i'm sure you know him he uh he was our accompanist for one show at that the box theater and he used I, i remember it was the first time he was ever using it And it was the first time we ever had a musician use it. And I'm going to be honest, I was like, that just seems scary. Like, because it's digital, because it's digital. It's that kind of thing where it's like, what if the iPad turns off? Do you know the show by heart? And of course, and of course, Josh, you know, is brilliant at piano and could probably like fake his way through it until he got the iPad fixed. But it's that sort of thing where it's like, you have paper, hard copy paper, like nothing's going to necessarily malfunction with that paper but an ipad can just go boop
1: <laughs> exactly you know when the first time i used it i did uh, i was doing school of rock
0: okay. i was doing
1: school of rock and but i i like you i didn't trust technology <laughs> <laughs> at first so i had my ipad you know because it was very handy and i had everything there you had a hard copy there up, too but up above i had the hard copies Good. in the in the bullpen waiting just in case I needed them.
0: Yep. You know? Exactly. And that's smart. That's smart. So lucky stiff. <laughs> we do. We do it again. <laughs> this is no, this is this is fun getting cause we get all these like inside facts about the the pit orchestra that a lot of people don't know about. Um, but now do you and I know it's been a while, but um to, to wrap up here, I would love to know if you had any um, cause I obviously you're a fan of Flaherty and Aaron's works. Do you have a particular favorite song from Lucky Stiff as far as like when fun it was to play or a scene or anything? Do you remember? I know it's been <sighs> a while.
1: The one song, I believe it's in the first act. And I think, is it Harry that sings it?
0: It's, so there's one is there's one song called Lucky that right? he sings when he first gets to Monte Carlo and he sings it to the dead body.
1: And I think that might um, be it. That's like my favorite song of the whole show. It is
0: overflowing with Susical theme, that song. Maybe like, that's why. I, yeah, I hear so much Seussical in that particular song, Yeah. like, a lot. Like, I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, when you hear, like, you know, a Stephen Sondheim song, and even someone who wouldn't know, like, a non-theater person who doesn't know what Sondheim is, they would hear that and, like, oh, this kind of sounds like this other song that I've heard. And it's, of course, another Stephen Sondheim work. You know, right. I feel like I feel like Flaherty and Aaron's have... So much of that, like, kind of theme that when you hear, like, when you hear one song from one show, like, you hear something from Seussical, like, I hear a little bit of Seussical and Ragtime, too, and in the, open, the opening number of Ragtime, I hear a little bit of Oh the Things You Can Think, just a little bit, like... And I feel like Yeah, lucky. that's right. There is
1: a little bit. Yeah. Yep.
0: And lucky and lucky stiff, I, I hear I hear it too. There's and it's some some sort of little like beat or or style or something. Um or maybe maybe the instru- maybe the the instruments that they that they use um in their mm-hmm. scores or something but it's definite there definitely is a style and a theme that runs through and i love that because it, they're different enough they're not it's not like listening to the same thing over and over they're different enough but i love hearing a little bit of Susical and ragtime and a little bit of once on this island and lucky stiff and things like that it's super super fun right yeah yep um as i said my favorite obviously was i mean i liked him them it her um, which, cause it's the most, it's the most farcical thing in the show. And, it, and I, and I'm a huge, like, fangirl of anything farcical, um, and ridiculous. But like I said, the, um, there's this brilliant song called Times Like This, uh, and, and the full title, Times Like This, A Girl Could Use a Dog. Any dog lovers out there, listen to this song. It is the anthem. Uh, it is your anthem. It is, it's, <laughs> it's so, it's so sweet. Um, and it's still... I mean it was my it was my anthem when I was single and I'm in a relationship now and it is I admit it's still my anthem it's still at the end of the day I I need my dog Absolutely
1: <laughs> Absolutely I mean that's why our dog dog's name is Coda Yeah I mean that's a music
0: And mine is Maestro
1: Yes, there you go. Perfect. Yeah,
0: yeah. We both got got musical dogs over here. Um, So, uh, well, listen, to wrap up here, I suppose I should do what I should have done in the very beginning of this episode, which is just share a little bit more about what this show is about. Um, I'm assuming y'all only came across this podcast if you know what Lucky Stiff is and and uh, wanted to listen to us talk about it, <laughs> but if you don't, if you're not familiar with Lucky Stiff, it's a musical farce. Lots of mistaken identities and just craziness going on with um this guy who gets this inheritance from his uncle that he never really knew, but it comes at a cost. To get the inheritance, he has to take the dead body of his uncle to Monte Carlo, because that was his dream that he wanted to do before he died. So it's basically this guy pushing around this, um, this stiff, uh, in a, in a wheelchair, trying to convince, trying to, you know, not let anyone know that he's dead. And it's, I mean, that, yeah, I know it sounds ridiculous. The whole point is that, yes, it is. Um, and then there's, like, um, you know other people trying to get the inheritance and a and a you know an accidental murder and all this all this crazy crazy stuff but if you're a fan of weekend at bernie's and like that kind of humor with uh with a dead body and dressing up a dead body to be a live person check out lucky stiff it's not the same plot but it has that element to it that is <laughs> again it's so i'm i'm doing a terrible job at selling the show holy christmas no you're, no you're not no
1: you're not it's all good it's all good um
0: so i i think that's about time to Uh, to wrap up here Jim but thank you so much for joining me to talk it was so like I said it was so great to hear about like pit orchestra stuff I haven't had that on the show yet that was really interesting to get all the background stuff on that my
1: pleasure I'm honored that you asked me to be on your podcast and it's (laughs) always a pleasure to chat (laughs) musical stuff especially with another musical person so absolutely it was it's a great honor. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Um, so we'll just do some social stuff real quick. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find me um, on A-L-L-I dot Chic. That's my Instagram, Allie.chick. Otherwise, if you'd like to check out my little theater in uh, outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Box Theater Company, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Please do. That- it's
1: a great theater company. Please do. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you. Uh, so that's going to be it for today. Uh, thanks again, Jim. That's our final bow, blackout, and curtain.